0: Hello there and welcome to Almost 30. Hi everybody. It's your girls, Lindsay and Krista.
1: Welcome to the show. We're happy to have you.
0: We are so grateful you're here wherever you're listening in the world. If you're on a walk, if you're at work, if you're at a party. Yeah, I love you listening to podcasts friends. at a party, actually. I, pro- <laughs> I actually would probably like that better than a party. You like have AirPods in, you're like... <laughs> yeah, 100%. That would actually be my kind of party. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everyone's like silent discoing to podcasts. 100%.
0: <laughs> I honestly think about I'm like, I never liked parties. Oh, man. I swear to you. I never once liked parties.
1: It's like, what was good about a party? What drew us to a party? I think it was just like FOMO.
0: FOMO was the driver. So I was, I think, a partner, finding a person.
1: Oh, yeah, finding a person for sure. That was pretty much the possibility. Yes.
0: Yeah. But at parties, it's like they were never fun. Like, yeah, very rarely.
1: I remember a very vivid moment at a party in college. It was at a house party. And I was like, you're standing in probably like a half an inch of. The Sludge. beer dripping out of the keg, but yep. it also smells like pee. So you probably assume someone peed at some point. And I'm like, I, what? I'm I'm here at a school that I'm, lots of money's gone to this and I'm finding myself in a puddle of beer and piss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it's a very weird thing, yes. but you're
0: like, see you next weekend. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Hope you invite me. I remember I studied abroad. <laughs> I lived in Luxembourg for- us however many months. And mm-hmm. I remember be, having so much FOMO to like Halloween on campus. Oh my God, I know. Dude, it was so embarrassing. I'm pretty sure I didn't go abroad. Well, I didn't yes. go abroad for a
1: couple of reasons, but one of them was like, I don't want to miss out.
0: Miss out? What do you mean? You know, Europe
1: you- was the shit. I saw my friends having a, Great ass. Yeah, time like it's Europe. like you're traveling the
0: world. It was just so, so, so silly. Anyways, we're grateful you're here. Um, if you're new, welcome to the show. This is a good one to tune into. We talk about sacred sexuality and mm-hmm. so much more. And if you're an OG, what's up? We love you guys so much. Thanks for riding with us over these past six years. It means so much. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you do. Make sure you do it on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. And uh, make sure you subscribe everywhere you
1: listen to podcasts. Yeah, today's conversation, um, I was super excited to have. And anytime we talk about sex, embodiment, you know, even sacred sexuality and womb work, um, it's not, I I don't want to say it's uncomfortable, but it's definitely something where I'm like, wow, I really feel lucky that we get to bring some of these maybe more taboo topics to the masses and kind of normalize the conversations. And I really do think it makes a difference hearing it in a podcast form and having a little bit more confidence perhaps to bring it up, whether it's in a friend group with someone that you trust and love. Um, so I'm excited for you guys to to listen to this one.
0: Yeah, because when we think about you know the spirituality space and personal growth and self-development, I think we often think of the very masculine things sometimes or we think about the routines or the you know the meditations or the lists or the journaling or the classes mm-hmm. or the courses or the programs and so often the body gets forgotten about mm-hmm. and you know the relationship to self or the relationship to partner in a sexual way gets forgotten about and there's so much power in that and you know, the deeper I go into spiritual texts and different types of philosophy and work, it's like that is like the most powerful energy Mm -hmm. and the most powerful energetic force. So how can we come to a place being older than when we probably were when we first lost our virginity to be more in ritual about sex and be more mindful about sex and all the ideas that were coming into the world about sex? Mm -hmm.
1: And I think most of us can agree, like we would love to have a deeper whether it's like sexual practice, connection with a partner, um, but it's like really looking at like, what is stopping us? What is kind of blocking us from actually doing the practices and taking the time? Because it does take time. You know, you ca- sometimes I yes. want like a really quick fix with things, but these are lifelong practices that will continue to reveal to you um, the purpose of these, of being in union with another person in engaging in sex and connection and intimacy um but it takes it does take work and it takes time and commitment and intention
0: yeah and you know we like to have these conversations so you guys don't have to i feel like i'm always learning
1: mm-hmm. i feel like
0: when i talk about you know my healing and my library of life and my lessons i'm like i think two years will be my sexual <laughs> My sexual figure out years because sometimes it does feel like it gets put on later on the list. And I know so many women of our community often talk about that, where their sexuality and their sexual pleasure gets put to the last of the list when we're thinking about our lives and all the things that we have to do. So hopefully, this inspires you to think about your womb in a different way from a manifestation perspective in particular, and then also to think about sexuality and Mm -hmm. even their relationship to the masculine in a different way as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found it
1: fascinating when she was talking about the womb and how it's like a great amplifier, multiplier of things. And I was like, ooh, what do I want to manifest? Yeah. I was thinking about that too. I'm like, this is really fun.
0: And you guys, we also talked about yoni eggs and Mm -hmm. I'm laughing because I feel like this was such a hot conversation in wellness a few years ago. So we're very late on it. And I think it actually is very fascinating to think about if we think about these crystals as these very programmable Mm. tools Mm -hmm. that have been recorded in history as very powerful ways in which we can commune with the earth and with spirit. And then taking these programmable crystals that already have their own energy signature and putting it into the space of creation and manifestation in your body, it's very wild. So if you guys think this is very wild, welcome to the show. We get usually pretty <laughs> out there, but it's a powerful concept.
1: Super powerful. I'm excited she brought us Yoni Egg. So she, um, so we put them in yeah. on the show. Yes.
0: Yes, we. Put yes. them in on the show. We walked around, walked walked around. We did some giggles. Yeah, we, we did a horse We squat. show you how. <laughs> and the whole episode was done with yoni eggs in. <laughs> I had six eggs in my yoni during the whole thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was saying that some women even use use them as like daily jewelry. Yeah, put them in at the beginning of the day, wear them all day as, Or a hard
0: meeting. Yeah, or like a hard conversation. I
1: My fear, which I expressed to her, was just like. See, these don't have the little hole where you can um, basically thread a little string so that you can easily pull it out. I'm like, what if, what if it gets a little lost? Because I've had tampons 100%. take a journey, and I've never seen them. I didn't see them for a few weeks, so uh, you know we'll have to practice. But uh, Tiffany Dene is so so powerful, and I feel like we're one of the we're one of the first to to bring her into the pod sphere. And I'm really excited. She is a sought after motivational speaker, sacred sexuality educator, women's empowerment guide, and the owner of YoniEggs.com. She's made a career of connecting on a personal level with people, assisting them in getting past their fears hurt and anxiety as it pertains to their sexuality through her work as a womb wellness advocate and sacred sexuality guide. Uh, She also mentions at the end of this episode ways in which you can actually work with her in group programs and one-on-one. So make sure to check out more of her work at tiffanyjanae.com and you can get your yoni egg at yonieggs.com and code
0: almost 30 for 20 percent 20%. Oh, off. Off. and you have to wear it every time you listen. Yep. You got to think of us every yeah, time we're going to
1: program th- our show into your yoni egg. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: <laughs> well, life is good and life is fun. Don't take anything serious.
1: Yeah, it's so good. It's so good, baby.
0: <laughs> uh, make sure you're subscribed to Almost 30. We have a bunch of personal growth, self development, spirituality episodes for you. We have over 500. You can go to almost30.com. We have blog posts. We have free resources. We have a which star system are you from quiz. That's free on the site. And then we have resources for podcasters. If you have a podcast or you want to grow your show or monetize your show. And then you can check us out on TikTok now. We're on TikTok Almost 30 podcast. Moms are are on TikTok. We are (laughs) TikToking. is the way of the world and we are on it. Um, If you could subscribe to the show, that would be amazing. We love to get in your inbox every single Tuesday and Thursday. Love you guys. Thank you. Enjoy this one and we'll see you on the other side. Enjoy.
1: This morning, I had a record-breaking amount of compliments on my skin when I went out for errands, I went to a workout, and this morning I cleansed my skin and put on a serum from a brand that I'm so excited to share with you. Krista and I are in love with Sahajan. It's an incredible Ayurvedic-based skincare line. They also have body and hair products, eye care, lip care, you name it, but I am obsessed with their products. It feels so good on my skin. My skin is incredibly happy. Um, let me talk to you about some of my favorites. So this morning I used the cleansing oil, the essential cleansing oil. So this is a great way to just melt away any makeup, pollution, honestly, leaving behind the most glowy skin ever, Um, In ancient India, actually, oils were used for centuries to clean skin without stripping away the essential moisture necessary for a healthy complexion. Have you ever washed your face and been like, wow, it just kind of stripped everything off? It's not great for our skin. So this is a blend of moringa, squalane, and rose oils, and it melts through even the most stubborn waterproof makeup, Uh, daily grime. I love it in the morning because it's really soft and gentle. So beautiful, smells amazing. And then I put on the Radiance Face Serum. Y'all, when I tell you, this is what radiance is. Um, it truly brings out the most glowing aspects of my skin. So what I love about uh, Sahajan is they go back to ancient texts in Ayurveda from 5,000 years ago, and they work with modern Ayurvedic doctors to formulate uh, their serums, their, their formulations for cleansers, et cetera. But for this face serum, uh, they use Trafala a known adaptogen go to cola and hyaluronic acid and this concentrated blend has been clinically proven to improve the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles as a treatment that will honestly leave your skin looking unreal i need y'all to let me know send me your selfies okay so this is the skincare line where ayurveda meets modern science and i love it it is proven it is scientific And it is good for your skin and for your body. So if you'd like to try Sahajan, please, 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 please. I highly recommend, um, especially if you are looking for a skincare line that is clean and natural, okay? Go to sahajan.com. Let me spell it for you, S-A-H-A-J-A-N.com. Use the code ALMOST30 for 20% off your first order. That's 20% off your first order when you go to sahajan.com, S-A-H-A-J-A-N.com, and you'll get 20% off with code ALMOST30.
0: Did you grow up Seventh-day Adventist or any religion?
2: No. My mom raised me spiritual. Yeah. What did that mean? (laughs) Yeah. What was that like? She, um, she like, let's see. So she was raised that, but my mom's extremely psychic, uh huh. Like really, she makes a living being a psychic. And she had like this, she went to Mexico and met an aunt and the aunt spoke Spanish. My mom didn't speak enough Spanish, but she got like the vibration of what she was telling her. And it was basically like, you have a gift and you have to be on this gift. And my mom's one of the most, like the best psychic I've ever come across. Like she's really good. And so my mom spent her years like cultivating that. And when we were born, me and my brother, she was just kind of like, both my mom and dad were were on like, we're not going to force religion on you. Whatever you all want to do, you can do that. We're not going to make you go to church or anything. And my mom was always like lighting sage and crystals. And she um, she was really into, re- uh, what was it? Um, religious science of mind. Mm. That was like her jam. And then the Course of Miracles, she got into that. So her thing was more like, Just feel the vibes, you know? And then you talk to everybody and learn from everybody because everybody has a version of truth. But then my mom was also into the Bible. So um, she just kind of let me, she's like, what do you feel? You know, like trust your own feeling. Mm. Wow. that's I'm
0: sort of jealous. It's so interesting with the Bible because, you know, growing up, I grew up Catholic. And so I was so like, Bible, you know, bad. But now coming around to understand the Bible in such a different way has been really- profound and beautiful because it's just a really powerful spiritual text that has happened to impact so many people in so many cultures all over the world. And it doesn't, I guess when you take it from being the dogma to like this beautiful spiritual text, it's different. So for you and having a mom that was like, what do you feel? And like leading you in that way, instead of telling you what to do or telling you who to be, how did that impact you in understanding your
2: gifts in life and becoming who you are? So it was really helpful, actually, because every neighborhood I grew up in, there was always a pastor's kid in their family that lived nearby that was my friends. And I seen how they had to go to church all of the time and they were like had questions and things that they weren't allowed to talk to their family about. And so being able to, to talk to my mom about different things or even be allowed to think something was really important for me and something I recognized early on as important. But I feel like it best matches who I am, which is like who I am is one who wants to do what I want and wants to like explore at my own pace and on my own right. So I feel like that was a divine gift to be given to me to have that. And then I'm still in that same process of like constantly discovering and asking. I feel like I'm an anthropologist of life of just, I'm curious what everybody's into. Like, what has your mind? Like, what is your life force energy and dedication to? And it's not necessarily what I'm going to buy in, but maybe I can get a piece of something that you have, a wisdom that will continue on to my own unique journey. So, yeah. And it just, my family knows I'm that way and... um, I don't get a lot of pushback that I care about from that.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to be, just living that curiosity. I feel like we're kind of a part of some sort of rat race at one point or another where it's always about, okay, how can I get ahead? How can I be successful? And then there's the other aspect of that, which is like, how can I be like that person or comparing ourselves to another? But just the the very pure curiosity i feel like we could use so much more of in the world you know and i feel like that's a duh statement but if i really think about it i'm like it's such a beautiful way to be where there's just this dissolving of judgment and just like a very heart open curiosity that i think would be so so healing for us to bring more of that into our daily daily lives i guess what is that what does that look like for you in the world that we're living in now? Like, how do you retain that curiosity and heart openness?
2: Well, it's part of my prayer for my life. I I think it's important to have like a prayer for your life or, or a vision or a declaration of what you stand for. And mine is... I'm here to discover, like I'm on a, a soul journey and I came to earth school to to like study humanness. And so I have to be in service to like the mystery and and what is going on. And also I just have a lot of respect for people like, I'll often say that there's an intelligence in everything. Like you look at a person who's poor and our society says that they're like stupid or they're disadvantaged or they're, you know, they're not much value. But if, if have you ever sat with those people or lived with them and seen the genius that they have and the realm of the universe that they have mastered and how resourceful they've become and how they navigate with other people and how they sense what's going on around them, all the way up to like very wealthy people, you know, and everything in between. Everybody has a, a genius that's working on their behalf, and I like that because if you if you actually are curious and you ask them questions or just observe, you can take a piece of that and it starts becoming jewels that goes in your bag, and and you can use that when you you find yourself in in situations that you may not have otherwise been prepared for. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. I want to. I guess pull back a little bit because a lot of our audience might not know who you are and know your work. And I was introduced to your work, I think in 20 or just you and your work, your life work, maybe end of 2020. And I remember talking to Lindsay about you because you've just, you're very profound and you very much speak from the heart and you very much speak the hard things um, and say the hard things. And I've always admired that about you. But how do you define, you know, who you are, I guess, in this day and place and in this time and place and the work that you do in the world?
2: Well, with that, I'd like to open up and just acknowledge my teachers, because I think that's really important. So um, I'd like to say thanks and praise to Queen Afua, um, to Kenya Kay and Carl Stevens at Progressive Love Academy, um, to Saint Day at Your Day Balance Game, and then also to Isis and Drea at uh, Academy of Oracle Arts. So my life has just been a series of initiations and of learning and I've gotten my ass kicked so many times um that like I have to have some sort of teachings and balancings that bring me back to what is true and what's real. I've experienced a lot of poverty and I've also experienced an extreme amount of power and privilege. And both of them are on extreme are just on opposite ends of the same spectrum, you know? Uh, you can get drunk on power and you can get lost in in poverty. So finding that like center point to kind of navigate my life has been the most important. And and um, my teachers have been those ones that have initiated me into the next level of um, my journey. What have been some ass-kicking moments for you? Mm. Gosh. Well, finding my purpose. I mean, we were talking about that earlier, but... Um, finding what, what I was here to do was rough. Like, first of all, even getting that message given to me and then having to to like come into that and start working that and be in dedication to it has been really rough. And that's been the foundation of, of my story as an adult because when I was given my purpose, I then was told that I had to let go of everything that I had. And at the time I was, I was making a lot of money and was really independent and was finding my worth on what I could afford and what I could buy. And so when, when Most High came to me and told me like, you have to give this up because I'm, I'm training you, I'm preparing you for something far greater that's gonna transcend this check that you're getting every week. Giving that up and then having to go and be like, essentially I was homeless for seven years and that was a series of just challenge after challenge after challenge when I was before that being able to take care of anything that I needed to take care of. Um, and then that led me to getting married with the person I was going through that with. And that was a really challenging relationship. And that still is, is now like five years later, still things that are, are releasing over time that I'm learning from. Of experiencing so much closeness with someone, and then um, so many waves of bliss, and then so much like trauma and uh, that kind of, so that's taking me on a on a deeper journey. Um, but yeah, that's all of that, and then Yoniex. I mean, we could talk about Yoniex because mm-hmm. that brought me a lot of ass kicking moments too. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, the being homeless for seven years is quite challenging, and to have the faith in God or the most high enough to continue
2: to follow that? How did you have such unwavering faith? Well, so going back when I was about 26, I was begging creator for a vision for my life. And I got into the bathtub one night and I felt like I've, I've never experienced something as powerful as what that was. Uh, this like energy came in and sealed the bathroom and just started giving me like everything. Like, here's who you are. Here's where your life is going. Here's where you're going to move, how long you're going to live in each one of these places and what you're going there to learn. And what you're going through, the world is going to go through, but I'm putting you through it first so Mm -hmm. that when the world goes through it, you're more established to handle those things and to help them find their way. And so everything started going along in that direction where... I I believed that enough because the things that were happening in my life matched with what was shown to me that day. And so everything, it's like, I feel like there's like miracles happening all the time. And it's just a matter of being able to attune yourself to see them. And I committed to being able to see them. So as I'm like, Going through these things, I'm like, whoa, that's from this vision, or that came through this dream, or that was from that day. And like, this is trippy. This is such a psychedelic experience, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, as those things kept happening, it gave me the faith to keep believing in the next thing. And the other important part is like, no matter how many times I didn't have money or the ability to be able to, like, do the things I thought I wanted to do. When I tuned into what I did have the finances for, or I did have the support for, or what I was able to do, it was brilliant. And I was like, this is so cool. I'm learning so much right now. And actually, if I would have had the money to buy myself out of this, I wouldn't have got this lesson. So like, thank goodness, this is what's happening. And then now I'm so much more resourceful. I can make a meal and feed eight people off of $20, you know, and make it all organic. And I wouldn't have known I would I could do that before. I thought I needed $100 to feed them. And so just all of these little things, I started paying attention because it was so hard, like going through it and and not, I felt like I couldn't make a damn dollar no matter what I did. It was like, no matter what, I only got just enough. And it's like, damn, my wand is broke. I used to be able to just like make stuff happen left and right and now I just can't do it. So then to not feel like I was suffering through it because I was like, this is my path. And this is what's going on. And there's something much bigger than me that's at play here. So to not suffer through this, I need to get extremely present. And I need to start recognizing like what I am for, here for and like show up for my training every single day and keep doing the best because I, the only way I can get out of this is if I master the training, mm. right? And if I'm sitting here like kicking and screaming and pouting and saying like, I deserve something different, it's just gonna keep me, I gotta come back to training again and again and again. So, yeah. So, how did
1: your relationship with money and abundance and success shift throughout these seven years? I guess, did you learn, I'm sure you did, but at a high level, what did you learn about like those energetics and the importance?
2: So, I'm still learning because money is such a a big energy and it, it has so many threads between all of us. But Then I learned that paper money is one form of currency. And once I learned that, I started tuning into what are the other forms of currency. And then I realized what is the most valuable currency? And the most valuable one was my energy. And so that became my focus where I was like, I'm going to work on my vibe because I can't control all of the other things. But if I work on my vibe, it gets me invited to places. It has people share what they have with me. It um, will attract me to the most serendipitous moment to get what I need. And, you know, it, really life is about sharing. And it's about like, I i used to dream because of growing up in pop culture of like, oh, I need to make a million dollars and then I'm going to buy a yacht and I'm going to buy this house and I'm going to have houses all over the world. And, you know, this huge thing that was never mine vision, right? And But I I made it part of my identity. And then I was like, started as I got older and started maturing, I'm like, if I buy a yacht, who's going to clean it? Me? Like, I don't know how to clean a yacht. And I'm like running a business or I'm trying to feed these kids. Like, how am I supposed to learn how to do that? How am I supposed to know how to like manage these properties in Tokyo and, and Milan and all of that? And I'm where? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. And what am I signing myself up for through these visions? And So then I started thinking like, well, it's nice to experience those things, but I would be perfectly fine if my friends had them. And they just invite me over for the day to ride on like Krista's yacht, you know? And like, (laughs) and then I get to go home and I can go back to what I can maintain and what what is easier for me. So, and then the other thing about money, I think has been really monumental for me is, uh, I went through therapy and um, that was really prolific for me because What I got out of it was I I identified all of the pillars in my life, right? So I had like my, my mom, my dad, my siblings, and then the institution, the system. And then I figured out like, how do all of them relate with money? And then I seen each one of them in me and I've taken on their identities, each one of their identities over time. And I addressed money from their different ways. And once I was able to recognize that, I was like, okay, that's great that they were my teachers and they showed me things, but who am I? Like, I'm not my brother. I'm not my mom. I'm not my dad and I'm not the system, but like, what is my unique thing and how do I want to relate with this really powerful currency? And I'm still like acclimating to that, you know, coming into that and realizing that, but Part of it is that I don't want a whole bunch of extravagance and I've, I've actually defined what extravagance is for me. And now it's more like seeds and knowing how to live off the grid and work with inverter systems and <laughs> batteries and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's coming more into my own truth. Mm-hmm. Defining extravagance. I love
0: yeah, it is it's like, what do I want? The world and system has told me I should want these things. Like, what do I actually want is powerful and mm-hmm. it's an important part of the awakening. When you were talking about, you know, focusing on your vibe, what does that mean? And how can people focus on their vibration so that it's really this magnet
2: for what they want in life? Yeah. So part of my work is to be a clear vessel for the spirit to channel through me. And I feel like spirit, whatever that is, like whatever people call that, if that's God, if that's most high, if that's your ancestors, the angels, whatever it is, I feel like there's a a source out there that is just pure energy and I've felt it and I've experienced myself being a channel to that and I like that. And so my vibration is being able to keep my vessel clear enough where I can allow that to come through me, where my life is almost like a channel as opposed to like me controlling things because that realm is way more flyer than the realm of me trying to control things through limitation. Uh, so my vibration is, is, what is my energetic footprint that I leave? When I leave a person or I leave an environment, how does my beingness ripple out into that environment? And am I destructive or am I bringing life there? Am I um, binding people or am I helping to set people free? you know, am I leaving nourishments or am I extracting out? And so when I'm working on my vibration, which is a constant act, it's always like checking myself and, and tuning in of, I don't know that I'll always be able to to be on the the right side of whatever society says I should be on because one thing about traveling is that when you travel, there's all these different standards of what is good and what is bad. So within that, it's like, you got to find that for yourself. Like what what is true and what is real for yourself? And then also have enough forgiveness and compassion for yourself to go through the learning process, right? And so um, it's just about attuning to like, what is true for me? And then how true am I being to my trueness? You know, how real and in dedication am I being into that? and allowing myself to go through it and sometimes i suck at being a good person and sometimes i'm like overextending myself but where is my middle ground that's where i'm always trying to find my way back to mm. you know and then just loving myself along the way but being as aware as i possibly can be and and part of the journey for me to do that has been to get like really sober um, my, my vice was never like alcohol or anything like that, but I was extremely strung out on marijuana for 20 years. And it was a big part of my identity. And when I wanted to tune into like what needed to be healed, I needed to fill it all. Mm-hmm. And marijuana took away so much. It gave me so much numbness. And it was like, I was back here somewhere. And then she came in as, as a filter here. And I wasn't able to touch all of the things that needed to be healed. And so getting sober has been part of like working on my vibration as Mm. well. Did you have like a a detox period with that? Because it's so interesting. I've heard a lot of people talk about that.
0: And I think people underestimate the power of marijuana. And like, because it's a plant, you know, it's kind of treated differently from a cultural perspective, but I do believe it can be really addicting. And the way in which it numbs people is sort of overlooked at times. What has been
2: your experience in quitting and redefining yourself? So I went from being homeless to then running this like really big seven figure or six figure brand. And um, we're all about figures. So get those figures right now. (laughs) Manifesting my seven. Yeah, six figure business. And so that brought me into a level of power and recognition. And and the area I was living in, I was like a a low-key celebrity. And so this was like a change where people were looking up to me and a part of me was like, liked it. Like I realized Mm -hmm. what was going on. I'm like, oh, this is dangerous. But then the other part was like, oh, I could get stuff, you know, and and it's getting me far. And then that kind of just fell into itself. And then um, along with my marriage at the time. And so I moved to an island and- the power of that island isolated me and sent me to the most remote part of the island where, like, there was no cell phones, wouldn't work. The Wi Fi stopped working. And I just lived back there for three months to just kind of like come back into myself. And I spent four years with that island and relationship with her. And part of what she asked me to do was to give up. Um, smoking and so that she can actually heal me. She told me that the Aina is going to heal me and she's the Aina and and she needs to be able to come in to to like seal my cracks and to nourish me. But I needed to like let her know what hurts so that she knew what to heal. Mm. And so once I heard that call, I was like, I'm in, you know, of course I, I want that. And so I just set a date to this is the last day that I'm going to do it. And then I also worked with uh, a life coach and when I got out of my relationship, a big part of the work that I did was I worked on my relationship standards. I worked on my values in life and I worked on my epic goals and my mission statement for life. And that was really painful to go through from feeling super low and like um, just not having a lot of access to my own self-esteem. And then writing this this story or bringing forth these visions about me and like my highest power was really painful to, to witness and go through that. But I did the work. It took me six months. And so once I finished that, it was like, okay, you have the vision. Like this is what you've been asking for is to have the vision. You have the vision. Now you have to be in service to it. And in order to be in service, you have to let go of anything that is not In service to this. And of course, there's like some mercy along the way. Observe yourself and be curious about when you're not in service to this because that's going to teach you how to be more in service to this. So that level of power made it a no-brainer for me of I can't do this thing anymore because if I do this thing, I have the vision now. Before I didn't have the vision, but I have the vision now and I know where I'm going. And if I keep doing this, it's going to anchor me to where I don't want to be. That almost killed me. And my, like, uh, my dumb ass, I'll just say, mm-hmm. I don't talk to myself <laughs> like that regular, but it's like my dumb, I'm going to do like some dumbass ass stuff and, and not allow myself to rise up because of what? Like, why would you do that to yourself? And is that the story that you want your life to be? It's one thing when you don't know. It's something different when you do know. And so you got to work. Mm-hmm. And get clear. Yeah.
1: I'm curious about your kind of coming into more embodiment and into your work in sacred sexuality and, and beyond, like at what point did that become just at the forefront and something that you were exploring yourself?
2: Yeah. So growing up being spiritual and understanding energy, that was kind of my first language that I knew. And there wasn't a society that really supported that. Now spirituality is trendy and everybody's into it. But when I was growing up, everybody was Christian and into that. So I was kind of the, the oddball out. And when I started coming into myself being a sexual being, I realized that the, the atmosphere for that was very loosely defined and so I started trying on all these different things. Like, am I the girl who like winks at guys? And like, you know, (laughs) do I go up and i like, hey, you're sexy. Am I direct? Am I like sleeping with everybody because I feel that? Am I not? Am I waiting until I get married? Like, what's my thing? And I didn't really find myself in any of those ways. And I actually considered myself really prude because compared to my peers, I was like, I can't do any of that stuff. Like, you know, what about the energy that's going to stay with you? But I didn't have the language to to give more to that. And then when I got married, I uh, we got into, that's how I found my teachers, Kenny K. Stevens and, and uh, Carl of Progressive Love um, Academy. So I, I went to them to study about feminine energy. Kenya was my first teacher. And I was like, I need to learn like masculine, feminine, like just some basics. Because I don't even know what that feels like. And I don't know how to be a wife and I'm growing into womanhood and nobody gave me a book or any type of training. So I need to figure that out. And in her teachings, she she did teach me about the archetypes, but she also had this whole other uh, path of her company, which was this relationship sector So they were into uh, progressive love, which is like open relating essentially. And that wasn't my path, but I learned a lot from the openness of the people and how much stuff that they were confronting and taking on and just like going straight into. And I respected that. And so, yeah, I went in in there and then from there, she did a a Tantra certification. And I just want to say this because I'm really big on respect for the cultures that bring forth these lineages is that. I use the term Tantra because that was what was taught to me, but in respect for the culture that holds this lineage, I understand that your life path was dedicated to being able to call yourself a tantrika, And in no way would I think that taking um, any month worth of course puts me on that same level with them. So just full uh, respect and acknowledgement for that. With that, my teacher taught me about uh, Tantric principles and uh, she started teaching about the energy And I was like, this is my jam because you actually have to show up and be intimate with people and you get to take it slow and you get to feel into each other's um, energy and you have to talk to one another and you have to stare in each other's eyes. and, And then that creates this like massively orgasmic experience because you're bringing so much of yourself together and it's not just about this friction, sex, awkward exchange. Like that actually is sucks if that's all people know as sex. Um, but when you can get into the space of like you are there full you and you're you're this person that you're with, whether they're your life partner or just someone that you're experiencing this like connection with, they respect you and they see you and they honor you. And inside the bedroom and outside the bedroom, that was the kind of people I wanted to be involved with. And that was where I wanted to be. So yeah, that's that's how I came
0: into it. Mm with the um the archetypes what kind of what are what are the archetypes is that just within like um like sacred sexuality space because i know other type of arch- archetypes like jungian archetypes but what kind of
2: archetypes are you talking about yeah let's see if i can remember what they taught um there was the negotiator um the lover the devotee and there's one more there was four of them I mean, they're in, in all the teachings. Like when, when you study womanhood, I have a lot of books at home and I study womanhood and just feminine energy through all of the different lineages. So whether it's like Athena or Het Haru or um, who else, um, whatever, they're Shakti. You know, mm-hmm. they're all these same embodiments of are you the warrior and your feminine? Are you the one, the talker, the communicator? Are you the, um, the nourisher or are you the lover? And those are kind of like the core feminine aspects. And then you have on the opposite end, the masculine aspects. But I found that oftentimes, we're, we're, which is fine, whatever gender role you're in and wherever you want to be at, I don't think that there's any right way to do it, but it, it is, it's helpful to know what you are doing so that you're purposeful in how you're moving. And I wasn't in that mode. I was just kind of doing what I was taught, which was to be very masculine. And my generation raised me to be like independent mm-hmm. boss bitch, you yes, know, and like yes. this kind of thing. And that, that wasn't <laughs> my story. And I was operating on that unconsciously. So coming into my consciousness is like, I'm not necessarily the lover all of the time. I'm not soft and feminine and sweet all of the time. I'm very much a warrior. And sometimes I am the negotiator. Sometimes I'm the nourisher, but I'm less nourisher than I am lover, you know? And so- just kind of finding what my own formula is with some of these examples and teachings has been important for me so that I'm I'm more intentional in how I want to go about things. Like if I'm going to have a tough conversation, I might need to switch into the lover aspect, mm. you know, and work with like a rose quartz versus I'm going to have like a warrior-esque conversation with someone I might want to be like a black obsidian and, and get into like a stronger um, way that's like direct and action taking. So yeah. Yeah. There's like actual scientific evidence around
0: people, even in just corporate world, if they channel like an archetype of like Steve Jobs, they actually do and perform more successfully. So just kind of bringing up all the way to like a different perspective of an example, but it's actually been proven that when you are channeling those type of archetypes, it does change who you act to be and then your outcome. And that's why archetypes are some of the most profound um teachings brought through from, you know, Venus. <laughs> like it's actually throughout history, archetypes have have stood the test of time. So I think that's really powerful. Just on that, just to finish that, where could people find more information about those type of archetypes?
2: Is it like divine feminine archetypes or what would they look up? Well, I think choose a, a lineage that you want to study with. Uh, a lot of my teachings have come through the Egyptian cosmology teachings. So that's just something that's caught my attention, but I know a lot of people are into Greek, and some people are into Hindu, some people are into Christianity. like no matter where you look, they're they're all there. So you just have to choose what resonates with you and who your teacher is gonna be for that moment. and and it's pretty, I found like it translates to almost every big body religion. it's 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 gonna you're gonna find those same archetypes there.
1: Do you believe in cultivating the sacred sexual practice with yourself before with a partner? Or how do you generally guide people that you are guiding in this? And where do you find that there's common blocks?
2: Yeah. So... It's funny because I do sacred sexuality and intimacy coaching and the majority of the coaching has to do with things outside of the bedroom. I'm actually not one of the teachers that you would find if you want to just learn like tricks and how to do better (laughs) blowjobs and things like that because I think that that's like secondarily important. And what's the foremost importance here is are you tuned into your authenticity? Are you acting from a place that's authentic to yourself? Like don't just hop around from all of these different spaces trying to learn all the cool tricks because you 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 bypass the opportunity to really find your own self. And that's better than any of these tricks because you might in your own self come forth with some stuff that we never heard of yeah. that we want to <laughs> learn, you know? So like, let's get you attuned to your your own internal compass. So as far as in the, um, what, can you tell me what the question was? Yeah, it, I feel like
1: what is, first of all, common blocks that, that you found like within your clients and, and what I'm hearing is that you start within the self and it is, it's not in the bedroom. It's not practicing those things. It's really kind of cultivating that connection with self. So how and where does that start in your work?
2: Yeah. So I think that number one is setting your goals for yourself and finding out where you're pointing your arrow. And then once you do that, you have to create habits and and daily things that you can witness yourself accomplishing them so you start to build a level of trust with yourself. And then from there, that kind of just gets you into the next level. You know, like you you, you have to know where you're going and, and what's important. And the blockages usually are the same kind of things like confidence, communication, expression, vulnerability. That seems to be amongst everybody what, what we're going through. And a lot of times people hold back because they're afraid to get hurt. And I always tell people like relating, getting hurt goes along with being open. Like, so you have to now become the healer, right? Like cultivate your ability to heal yourself because knowing that that's going to happen, don't be afraid of it because if you're afraid of it, then you can never show anybody who you really are. And if you never show anybody who you really are, who are you asking them to love? You know, and who are you asking them to show up for? So- you, you like be here, come come in, come into your space. And whether you're in a, a partnership or not, that to me is always the mission because everybody may not identify themselves as spiritual, but we're energetic beings and we're constantly feeling each other. And so maybe I can't say, you know, some spiritual text and recite it back to explain what I'm feeling from you, but in just simple terms is like, you're off, this is off. This isn't working, and and I find that that comes from people not being their true, authentic self because they're afraid. And and sometimes people will tell me like, I don't know what my true self is, and it's like, maybe maybe that that could be the case, but I think you do know, and you're just afraid to say it. And and so let's let's get you to the place where you can express, and it, and you don't have to be attacking people to express. You don't have to blow up. You don't have to, uh, I work with a men's group as well. And and so the men, they're the assholes and the women are the bitches, right? So they're both afraid to like say their truth because one doesn't wanna be the asshole and one doesn't wanna be the bitch. But it's like, well, you don't have to be either of those. Like speaking your truth shouldn't be related to either one of those really bad names or, or archetypes. That's not what we should be associating you being in your authentic self with. So we got to deprogram deprogram that and then get you to the place where like, it's okay to tell people who you are, but mostly you show people how to love you by how you love your own self. And then people have to, they adapt to that or they start falling off. And that's just how it goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's real. I think so many people in our
0: community experience that. It's like when you finally become clear about who you are and sort of what you will accept in your life and what you will seek out in your life, relationships can kind of fall away and change and shift. With um, the relationship between men and women, I feel like so often that becomes the asshole and the bitch because people wait till the point where it feels resentful internally to express and speak. What is your... Do you find that to be true? Or what do you think is happening there where people feel like when they feel like they want to say something or express something to a partner, they feel like a bitch
2: or they feel like an asshole? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like if you feel that way, then you probably are. that. um, And it all comes from trauma, I think. You know, having to defend yourself so fiercely against other people. But... If you keep acting in that way, then you keep creating the same scenes that you've always been in. So my my personal journey, I've had to do a lot of therapy on myself and, and work, commit to doing that, to like really looking at myself on a deeper level and acknowledging where my patterns are at and what loops I'm stuck in and what my fears are, what they are. And then where are those at in my story? And how do I go to that root and like nourish and heal that? And I may not ever heal it. You know, this I, I I haven't gotten to a place yet where I'm completely healed, you know, even my body, things that have happened, it's like the actual wound is healed, but I still have a scar. And so it's all an integration process that we're constantly going through. And so I think that is important. And then learning communication techniques helps out a lot. And I've, I've read a book, Nonviolent Communication, that was oh, really- I've heard about that. A yeah, lot. it was really helpful. And they have a list of words in there mm. that helps you speak more, like give actual vocabulary to what you're experiencing. Uh, there's something I use in my classes where it's the feelings will or the emotions will, and you all can just look this up too. But that's really helpful because it starts to to like, give you context to like, what's behind it. Like usually if you're acting in anger, what's behind anger is fear. And what's behind fear is inadequacy. And what's behind that? And you just keep tracing it and you find it so that when you're going through a a place where you feel you're hitting that point of resentment, first of all, it's a healthy thing to not put yourself in a resentment zone and to be so tuned into your energy where it's like, actually... If I do one more dish, I'm gonna get into resentment zone. So I'm just gonna communicate that and let people know I've offered Mm -hmm. all I have to offer at this time and that's all I have to do and like honor that. And I'm gonna be clear about it and I don't have to be attacky about it, Um, but I'm gonna catch myself. That's my responsibility to catch myself before I hit the resentment zone. And then once I get to a place where I start to feel overwhelmed, the more that I can describe to someone what I'm going through, the more that they can understand and choose to support me or not, from that place, but I find that with with a lot of people, they get frustrated and they shut down or they run away. And then they want people to like cross mountains and seas and do all of these things to try to figure out what's going on with them. And it's like, it's not really someone else's job. I don't care who they are in your life that you're asking a lot out of people to have to pull something out of you when like, just speak what's going on. And either that person has the maturity to support you for that, or they, they choose not to if your responsibility is to communicate what's going on inside of your world so that people know how to relate with you. And I I would bet that it would be really helpful and evolutionary to the people that you share relation with to tell them like, actually, I'm feeling really low on energy today and I'm feeling irritable. So you might experience me snapping at you and I apologize and I'm going to do my best with that. But I have this emotional thing that I've been going through and it's making, it's triggering my insecurity and I have some fears that are coming up. And so my energy might be off today. Do you still want to hang out? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I respect that you don't so or thanks helpful. for being with me and kind of um, sharing compassion with me as I, I move through my process and, and like I honor that in you too. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's so helpful. Like just in practicing that, because I was so ashamed of how I presented to people. If I was in a bad mood, if I was off, I would feel really like kind of insecure about how they would perceive or what their experience would be of me. And especially like with romantic partnership, like being able to just cut with with the truth of what is right now, so that there's as much information on the table as possible. So there's really very little um, there's very little chance that there will be an assumption made about something that's not true. So to yeah. say like, hey, I'm actually really anxious today. I'm not really sure why yet. I'm exploring it. If I feel a little off, that's why. And then there's just truth on the table and then yeah. you don't have to kind of dance around guessing. So I just think that's so that's so profound. You mentioned leading or being a part of the leadership in a men's group, mm-hmm. which I think you are the only woman?
2: Yeah, currently. So I work with Sacred Sons. And, oh, um wow. Yeah. My friend Debbie was telling me about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing good work. Yeah. So I, I work in their online container with them and I'm the first and currently, I think, only ongoing woman teacher with them, uh, which has just been such an honor to be invited to step into the space because for so many years, my work has been with women. Mm-hmm. And the women are always, where's the men? You know, they're not doing their work. When are they going to step up? And, and so then now to be in that space with them to like actually we do these like intimacy chats mostly I, I hold like certain classes with them but it ends up being over time there's so there's only so much teaching I give and then now it's like how are you putting it into play and what's mm-hmm. the feedback that you're experiencing so we just get to like talk about what's going on in their love lives and mm-hmm. what their emotions mm-hmm. and what they're they're moving through and what's tender and and what's overwhelming and and then we work through it and so i give my experience as a woman and then usually the other men in the circle will support and, and share their perspective and wow yeah it's been really special in sacred sons what are some
0: common themes that come up during sessions and you know i ask cuz there's so many women in our community that are probably curious about what men are thinking especially men that are you know coming to know themselves in their masculinity in a
2: way that they may have never seen before yeah so one of the the most powerful classes I've experienced with them was I led them through an exercise of confronting um, common male stereotypes and then asked them like, who's holding guilt for this and then why? What's attached to it? So it'll be things like you're a liar, you're a cheater you're um, a player, you don't communicate well, you don't care about anybody but yourself, um, you don't provide for anybody. Like, you know, just these common things that I've heard women say time and time again about men. And then we went through and and so they got to say like, okay, what's up with like a player? Who, who holds guilt for being considered a player? And then they raised their hand and then we talked those stories through. And so then hearing them say like, Oh yeah, that's attached to this and that, or I used to have that. I'm working through this, but I still feel it show up and those kind of things. Um, The other thing that we we did that I loved, like uh, the first class, it got a lot of them. But I was like, um, "What's your relationship with your dick?" Wow! (laughs) And all of them were like, "What?" You know. And so then I went through the circle, like one by one, like, "What's the relationship with your dick?" And so then they've never been like thought about this. So it's like. Because there's there's different things happening here, right? So oftentimes we hear like, "Oh, men only think with their dick." So if your your dick is thinking, what's it thinking about? Like, what's it what's it um, going through? So men's relationships with their dicks, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> their
0: relationship and like what they think about or what they think their dick should
2: do. So it's more so like what's going on with your dick? You know, like how does that part of your body? feel? Are you being honored? Are you using it in a bunch of relationships that um, doesn't feel good and healthy? Is it being touched? Are you masturbating to porn? So it just bought out all these stories, right? Mm-hmm. And then it created the space for people to share what the, basically the sexual aspect of themselves is experiencing. And I like to tune men into the the fact of like, you, you carry a wand and you have the ability to program spaces. And you also are the carrier of a seed. And so you, you build gardens. And what are you doing with that? Like that power that you hold and are you aware that you're that powerful, right? And so how are you using your wand? And where are you planting your seeds? And then how are you tending to the things that you're, you're, you're conjuring up? Um, so yeah, that was really cool. And then the other cool thing that came out of that was I called it a dick. And then as they all went around the circle, they changed the language for whatever it meant for them. So some said my cock, some said um, my penis, some said... different like embodiments of of things that were funny, my lingam. And then, then we addressed that of like, okay, why'd you choose those words? So then we got to go into the programming behind that of like, well, a cock makes me feel like I'm this kind of man, you know, versus a dick makes me feel like this. And that's how I talk to my bros. And a lingam is because I'm spiritual now, you know, and I have to say this and that. So, it just kind of is cueing them in to hear themselves talk through these things because sometimes we accept things and we start moving in things. And when someone like actually looks at you like, what's up? You know, I see in your soul, like what's that about? Then it, it it's jarring, but then it gives you the opportunity to like show up and either hold it or shed it. And so. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. What it as far as language goes, is there kind of an
1: equivalent conversation that you've had with women around language and sexuality and sex
2: yeah. and embodiment? So same thing with us, right? Like, I, I can say, like, what do you think of when they say pussy? Like, what, what do you call your sacred spaces? I mean, when I say pussy, I don't feel sacred.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel kind of like, I mean, like, I say it, but it's not in, the, in that sacred moment, right? I say clam. clam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: What is a, there's a comedian that calls it a sideways burger. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, I call it just, yeah, like, I don't call it anything to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I ca- yeah, I'm kind Cause of Because like, it's weird, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind
2: of weird to think of something my, like that. Yeah, there's I used, so like, many words for it. Yoni, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or flower. Mm-hmm. But but all of that, like, so we just went through a bunch of emotions, right? You all yes. just experience emotions and like a little bit of tenderness of like, I'm sure you call it something, but you yes. came up like, I don't call it anything. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's something like, in there 100%. that's connected to that, just that one word. Mm. So it's just like sitting with that. And where do these words, like, what is it? What do you feel it at in your body, and your mind? Like what images come up when you're the woman who's like, this is my pussy versus like, <laughs> this is my yoni or mm. this is my sacred spot. You know, like what aspects of yourself are you accessing or are you implanting through just that one sound frequency? Mm. So yeah, I think that's interesting.
0: Yeah. It's, I, when I think about that, it's like I think of like pussy or yoni
2: and I think something
0: outside of me. Like It's almost like I think of the perception we have as culture of those things. And I don't think about my body. And so I'm like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, why doesn't that connect? And I think there's a lot of reasons, but I do think I'm trying to find a way to connect it back to like mine and my body and like that part of me that exists, not the you know, energetic signature of what those words sometimes can be. And I think that's when you're talking about going further with it all. I think it's interesting too, like with the men, when you're like with their wand or with their penis, like, let's go, let's pull to the words of a player or an asshole or someone that's emotionally unavailable. And for women, it's like the words of being a slut or the words of being crazy or the words of being all these different Mm -hmm. things. So what kind of words and phrases, I guess, can women think about reframing
2: or understanding
0: how they perceive themselves through those lenses.
2: Well all of those were great ones and I think captures a lot of the common ones. Let's see um bitch would be one. Um independent I think mm. is a is a big one.
1: Boss babe. Yeah. Boss
2: babe. Boss bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um girl sure. boss. Whore. More. Mm. Um tease. Mm. Prude. Mm. Um yeah. Crazy.
0: Crazy is a big one. Yeah. crazy's huge. Mm-hmm. Emotional or too emotional.
2: Crazy. Obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like and
1: when I hear these words and I've heard them many times, I've either been called them or just been friends with people who kind of identify as that or have been called that. And it's like such a cheap thing. It's like very lazy mm-hmm. to call someone something like that. Even calling a guy like a player, like... I feel like is kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of keeps people at a distance. Totally. Yes.
2: But the harm in it is that people take those things on. Sure. Right. And then they find they start identifying mm-hmm. in it and they can start spiraling out. And I find that if if you can like relate in that knowing this that you're you're doing that and you're identifying with these things, then the better chance you have at navigating when the next person comes and calls you a name. Like, do you take that identity on and why or why not? And so it's just, it sets as like a, a, a formula to help with navigating because it's just part of how people are. It's easy to just sum somebody's beingness up into one word. And even if it's like, you're amazing, you're epic, you're beautiful. It's like, that can be just as harmful to someone as like, you're stupid. You're, you know, no one's ever going to love you. It, it's all, it's again, just same thing, just opposite ends of the spectrum. Because, and the reason I, I feel like I should give context to that, the reason why I feel that way is, is i uh, Because when you find your validation from outside forces or your definition from outside forces, then someone else always owns the power to control you. And even if it is things that's considered like quote unquote positive, it's still um, part of what they could take that away. You know, Mm. where someone is like one day like, you're amazing and you find your validation and like Tiffany told me I was amazing and like now I'm confident and I'm like da-da-da and the next day you do something I don't like and it's like you know what you suck and you're you're like so selfish and all you do is think about yourself and then there you go like tumbling down why'd you give me the power to like do any of that Mm. to you it should I do a lot of uh, Vipassana meditation and uh, the teachings come from uh, a, a Buddhist point of view. And one day when I went to go sit for 10 days, there was a, a text that I read and it was talking about how like validation, it should come in the same no matter what, whether it's it's on the positive end or the negative end, it should hit your body the same exact way, which is neutral. And that's to be like quantumist to things of, and and like to observe stuff, you know, like I'm a quantumist, I'm non-moving from any of those things. Like I I am who I am and that's, that's just what it is. And so it, it doesn't tip me on a scale in either direction when you validate me or you put me down. And and it's hard. But. Yeah. I've thought about that as a
0: public figure. You know, it's like when you get negative feedback, you can't just say, you know, those people are X, Y, and Z. And then when people are giving you positive feedback, be like, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what kind of world mm-hmm. is that when you're kind of doing that? So I've tried to pull myself out of the need for any sort of validation to confirm or deny who I am. And it's definitely been a journey. Just before we leave the men stuff really fast, what is a common or what is a way in which we can give advice for women to approach if they are in a heterosexual relationship, their man in a way that he might receive them better? Like what would be some advice for women when they're in a relationship with a man of how to, how to work with them and their energy better?
2: Um, well, I find that there's a lot of things in our culture that's normal to like label people. And so men, it's really easy to dismiss them and just be like, oh, they don't care. You know, he doesn't pay attention. All he cares about is sports or, you know, you're doing man stuff or, you know, um, I'll work with clients sometimes and they'll be like, well, you know, this guy's cheating on me because he's just a man. It's like, actually, it's not a man thing. That's a dysfunction in a human. And so like seeing people. And then the other thing I hear with from men is that they get overrun by women talking really fast and and um, strongly with them, and they some of them just don't process information as quickly as we do, and so your intentions of how you speak to someone, I think as women, I've done it myself. So I'll speak on my own behalf of when I'm coming at a person and I'm just like, I have my energy all built up and it's like, yeah. So where were you at Thursday? Cause I already know. So da da, you know, and I'm like just drilling and drilling and drilling with this person with my energy. And then the man or the, whoever it is on the recipient of that is just kind of like, uh, you know, on the hook for things. But, um, some of the men really struggle with that fast, hard tone where you're you're coming in accusing. Um, so that would be helpful, yeah. and then calling forth more of the sacred in them, uh, spending time like uh, like bringing them into a sacred space and and cultivating that that romance. Um, I love to teach about romance and bringing the man in and laying him down and giving him a full body massage and like massaging his lingam or penis and, and doing it in an intentional way. And every touch is to like infuse the intention to heal whatever harm has been done to that part of his body and calling forth his higher self, you know? And this may not be easy for him to be in the recipient mode. And, and perhaps a woman's like, I am that. And my guy still won't respond. Well, then that comes into just deeper work that you all have to do with each other. And it, it may mean like you need a, a mediator to come in to help with finding more balance in your dynamics and how you all relate with each other and helping you see things that someone may be afraid to express based off of how they think you'll respond. hmm
1: Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Daloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. For those of you that want A scoop of all the daily nutrients that you need if you want to fill in the gaps in your daily nutrition, Athletic Greens, y'all, this is it. I love Athletic Greens so much, AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's the category leading superfood product. It brings it all together, okay? So One Scoop has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving the special blend of high quality bioavailable ingredients work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet. As I said, if you are wanting more energy, if you want aid with your gut health and digestion, and if you want to support a healthy immune system, one scoop a day. I just put it into cold water, about 12 ounces of cold water, mix it up and take it down. It's delicious. It has like a little pineapple flavor sweetness, but it is so smooth. I'm obsessed. I've been taking it for years. So I highly recommend Athletic Greens. I'm sure you've heard about it, but this is your sign to finally try it. So to make it super awesome, Athletic Greens is giving our listeners a full year supply of vitamin DK2. How amazing. They are also going to give you free sample packs. So five free sample packs with your first purchase. If you visit athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. So when you visit athleticgreens.com slash almost 30, you are going to get one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs, which I bring with me everywhere. One more time, athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. I would love to move into womb work and womb wellness. Um, we've done a bit of womb healing through our retreats and um had conversations here and there, but I would love to know, just start off with like the importance of tending to the womb. Because I don't know if people know that they have a womb space or they understand what is held there Mm -hmm. and how perhaps the symptoms of maybe some, you know, untended to things in the womb could be showing up for them. Yeah. Could you explain?
2: Yeah. So I think of the womb as... As if, like, I have this magical being inside of me that multiplies whatever I give to it. So it's just really fertile, special spot. And when I'm tending to my womb, that means I have to choose, I have to tend to my entire being. So what are the foods that I'm eating? What are the the beverages I'm taking in? The energy that I allow myself to be in? Who am I actually allowing to come in and touch that part of myself? How do I touch that part of myself? Like the female genitalia, you know, that whole area. Like, am I fucking myself or am I making love to myself? Mm-hmm. Even in my own masturbation sessions, you know? So it becomes like a complete rebranding for your whole life when you decide you're gonna be in service to your womb space. And- So you had said something earlier about like, how do you say like when you get negative feedback, people are like, oh, they're crazy. They don't know. But then the positive like, oh, that person's great. Well, I think the same way as far as in manifestation. So when you go on the healing journey of the womb, you have to look at everything and and some of these hard parts of relationships that you're in and not just dismissing someone away as like, he was crazy or he was this and that and he wasn't worth my time. But then all the amazing things that come in is like, oh, that's all me. So you have to like kind of neutralize everything and take responsibility of everything so that you have the opportunity to see where uh, the thing that needs to be transcended is at and where you're feeding it, you know? And that could be an old pattern or an old belief or um, a limitation that was set from the people who raised you or the environment, you know? And so- coming into that and realizing that whatever you put in that womb space through your intentions and through your your manifestations or your wishes or your prayers, it's going into that space and it's going to multiply. So like be very mindful about what's happening there. And then of course, there's other things that you can do that help with like cues, you know, like wearing essential oils. You can set an intention with that in- essential oil to put it on and it reminds you to soften, like if softening is your thing because you're usually hard and cutting people off, put that on. So every time you catch that whiff of that, it serves as a cue of like, oh yes, I'm softening. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you drop into that. And then some people wear like little tinkle bells or something on their ankles. And that sound cues, cues you back to whatever intention it is that you're in service to of strengthening the womb space in that way. So it really is this like full body transformation where everything, all acts become sacred acts, so that you're honoring that part of yourself um, and then there's other things like taking baths and you know having a love day where it's just you by yourself and you're journaling and you're cleaning your space and you're you're redoing your altars you you bring f- uh, fresh flowers, you go get a massage like. Whatever it is, but again, you're in service to the sacred and just whatever that means to you um, becomes your way of life. And by you doing that to yourself, that is your womb journey. Mm. Because the opposite end of that is when you're not honoring that space and you haven't declared that as important, then things start to sit in there. And that's how you manifest like, the body is, is a genius communicator and that whatever is going on in the certain part of the body, it's telling you how you are emotionally. That's my personal belief and from some of the teachings I came across. So if we take something like um, your liver, right? If you have an imbalance in your liver, I've come to understand that I'm probably holding on to a lot of anger and resentment and so i have to work on that emotional aspect while also doing the physical aspect to bring in more nourishing foods that are specific for that organ but then knowing that there's work to do with my mindset and with my emotions um because this part of my body is stressed and it's cueing to me i need something so when we start dealing with female genitalia stuff where you have like you know miscarriages or um Fibroids or cysts or y- y- whatever's going on in that part—it's telling you something about your sexuality and how you relate to your energy as as like your feminine self, and something's out of out of order there, and that's only for you to define what that looks like, and then to start doing that work. So you got to change your diet. You got to change who you're hanging out with. You have to change how you talk to yourself. You have to change, you know, what your daily habits are to support that part of yourself. And then when we're dealing with sexuality, it has to do with like, are you just letting anybody who likes you into your body, you know? And then how does that feel? Did you get with that guy? And he told you from the start, he didn't want a relationship, but you did it anyways. And then now you're sad and, but you've done that five other times. Damn, you know, like, where is it at? you got to find it and then start shifting that because that part of your body is crying out.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Is there any Egyptian, like was there any Egyptian
2: history with the womb? Do you know of? Yeah, so Newt, the sky goddess, she's she's like the immortal womb on the sky, right? So she, on her belly is um, the bed of stars. And so she cast that out. Um, Queen Fua, I've done Sacred Woman with her. And let's see, um, almost, I mean, her whole program is all womb wellness, which is what I've, I, she's been my teacher in that. So everything's in service to that. So you can find womb wellness in anything from like Sacred Space to dancing with Bess to um, Shashatha for timekeeping, um, for Meshkinet through your business. So it's like all, it's, it's one whole system. Like it's everything is in service to that that part of your body. Mm. What are some of the,
0: um, with sacred sexuality and I guess what's the relationship between the womb and sacred sexuality? Like how do those connect?
2: Well, I I think of it as that's your fertile space. It's the creation. Like to me, again, it's like so psychedelic to think that you can bring a man and a woman together. So you're bringing this womb space that's gonna hold that body or Mm. any intention that you have. And the man who brings his his ability to carry a seed, right? And so even when you guys are coming together and and making love, even if you never produce a child, you're conjuring up that level of energy to dedicate to what? Like what Mm. did that, that powerful, it's like some of the most potent Powerful energy that we are in relationship with, and what are you creating? And so it's it's like the womb and and the the penis is like always at play. It's it's everywhere. It's all in our culture. It's it's always important. It's just a matter of can you find it in all acts? And but even like to think about a child, it's like how is it two beings that are just one and one can come together and mix fluids and go through this intense alchemist process and call forth a being into a little drop of liquid from some other dimension to come into your your womb. And then like your body just kicks in and starts doing something you don't even know that you could do. And then it comes out from between your, like what? Mm-hmm. And, and so like, if you think about that, every time you're having sex with someone, you're conjuring up that level of creation, mm-hmm. like know who you are, right? And, and, and what you are responsible for, and when you start doing that, then maybe you start treating people differently and treating yourself differently when you realize how much power you have. And so I, I think it's at play all of the time. The womb is always happening and at play.
1: Mm. Powerful. Um, do you, Do you work with women, this is kind of more on the health end, but who are coming off birth control?
2: I don't know. Okay. I think there's other people. There's a great site though, that I'll mention Mm. iudawareness.org Tamara the woman who runs it has put forth like years worth of research to help with just understanding um, how gnarly that stuff can be wow Mm -hmm. so I I highly recommend that but that's Mm.
0: not my specialty wow Mm I need to look that up Um, last question from me is on the yoni egg tell us about I feel like it's like has like a people like think it's out there like I feel like there's mm-hmm. preconceived notions
2: and judgments of it
0: so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts it's out there
2: I actually bought one for you yeah a crystal co- quartz and one's a rose quartz does anybody have a preference go ahead whatever you hand to us will be the right one for us mm. okay Wahoo. and then um here's some cards and I think you got rose this is and a this medium is crystal quartz mm. yeah so you can take medium a look it at medium size is that yeah. what you said? <laughs> Yeah. Mine's medium size. Which is great for beginners <laughs> and experienced users. So they have t- sizes? Yeah. I do one size. It's I, I've been doing the business for over 10 years and I find wow. that this one size works for everybody. Wow. But awesome. yeah, so I, I think too… Um, I'm with you all that think it's really radical to put a stone in there. But um, my journey with the crystals began from a child. My my mom raised me to be in relationship with the mineral people. And so I've understood their energy as a protector and as teachers and guides. And so they've been part of every initiation I've went through in my life and they've changed shape. So it just so happens that when I became a woman, they became eggs to teach me about my my womanhood and about that power. So what they are, they're actual living beings that come from the earth. And and there's, depending on what you wanna tap into, you can find this proven through uh, esoteric ways. And you can also go the scientific way too, if that's more your jam, but they're powerful. And they're uh, amazing technology that just exists in our earth. They hold a lot of information and they also are programmable to where you can give them information. So just having them around in our our frequency helps shift us similarly to what I would say is like having friends of good influence around you or having friends that like to do fuck shit with you. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they're gonna influence you and bring something out of you based off of what your intention is of why you're relating with that that being. So when you get with crystals, you know, they, they if you read like a more esoteric book, it'll talk about what their frequency is. So for instance, um, we'll say, Black obsidian is, it's broken down over time. It's lava. So if you think about what lava does, like lava is confronting and it's powerful and it's clearing. And so that's, that's kind of the energy of black obsidian, you know. Whereas rose quartz is is soft. Just the color in itself brings you into this soft frequency. But she's actually not passive. She's not soft and passive. She's very strong. And when you work with her, you'll start to feel that. But um, on my site, there's like a list of what all of the different ones do and what they their expertise that they've mastered. Um, that they hold that frequency of one of my science, favorite scientific things about them is like, th- they're going to hold their frequency no matter where yours is at. They can hold their own because they have, they've locked into that particular space and you can't bring them down. And so they can take a lot of your stuff essentially. And so when you bring that in conjunction with your womb, which is a fertile space and it, it too is programmable and it holds a lot of wisdom and, and knowledge, you can put an intention inside of the yoni egg and say like, okay, I've called you forth into my life because here's what I'm working on. I'm learning the ways of this and that and where I'm struggling is with this and that. And so I'm asking for your assistance to help influence me to do the work that I need to do to show up in these ways. And if nothing else, if that's like so woo-woo for you, if nothing else, it serves as just a symbol of you talking to something and telling it what your wishes and goals are so that every time you see that symbol, it cues you back or that sigil, we'll say, right? It cues you back to that intention that you held for yourself. So it's just like a cue. Like I was talking about the essential oils or the bells of like, okay, yes, I forgot. Every time I put this in, I am becoming, I am a person who does this, this, that, and it can help you in that. But I I think that its energy can influence your energy, but I also think that it's showing up in your life Gives you, it puts you in the position to start taking responsibility to be a purpose, a person on purpose, as opposed to a victim of circumstances. And you start looking for the ways that you mm-hmm. can show up more powerfully, and where you need to shift to uh, acquiesce to your goals and and to the, the the mission statement that you hold for your life.
1: Mm. And so, in practicing with the yoni egg, is this in meditation, preferably? Is this daily? I guess, what would you recommend for someone just first using?
2: Yeah. So there's a couple schools of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give you two. One has come through the teachings of Montauk Chia. And um, what he says, and, and from the lineage that he carries, you put it in for a few minutes, like every day or every couple days, and you uh, insert it big in first. So the little in points out and you stand wide leg horse stance. And you drop down into a squat. And then you do a series. You move the egg. You you find your muscles and you move the egg from the, the bottom chamber to the third chamber, which is the very back, and then to the second chamber, which is the second one in between. So it's going to take you some time to fill in that way. But basically, you're just sucking it up and pushing it back mm-hmm. down. And then you just do a couple repetitions of that. So this is like doing your Kegel exercises, but um, you have this tool that helps you with with like developing more strength. And then you do that for a few minutes, you pop it out and you, you move on with your day. You can then keep that egg on your altar or, you know, somewhere in a space where it's holding that intention for you. And then the new school of thought, one that I've been part of realizing through through my work and in my groups and stuff and the women that I've I've learned from, some women put them in and they, they wear them like jewelry, you know, they set their intention and they accessorize with them. So If they're gonna go to a business meeting, they might pop in a carnelian and wear that for the day because that energy is inside of them and they're drawing from it. Whereas if they're gonna have a tough conversation with someone, they might put in a rose quartz because it's gonna soften and bring more compassion about their heart. And some of these women, I'm not saying this is what you should do, but some women will keep them in for like days. Um, and, and, And that's important to say is like, it can't get stuck, but sometimes it will nestle itself up in there. Where we've Do it learned string or no, you some of them are drilled and some okay. of them aren't. Yeah, okay. these ones are undrilled, okay. um, which teaches you trust and surrender. I know. <laughs> and drill I know. is like a little grip. It's like a it has a, a hole. hole, yeah, wow. and then you can put a string in it, and Got then you can it. control the use. Okay. So yeah, some Mm. of them will, it'll get kind of nestled up in there and it might be there for a couple days. I have quite a cavernous situation. It's like little full,
1: because I've lost like tampons in the past. (laughs) Oh
2: yeah, me too. Yeah. She's got that cavernous
0: pussy. Well, it's just, it's like
1: very, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. You know what I mean? It's like,
0: I'm like, how the heck? Where does it go? Yes. I got you. Yeah. That's Mm, amazing. What benefits have you seen since doing it?
2: Well, I have seen people come alive Essentially, you know, I I ran a a mentorship group some years back and we worked primarily around yoni eggs, but I worked with them on all aspects of their life and seeing these women like come into their power and their purpose and their confidence and moving out of like really low frequencies, that's been some of the best. Uh, I have a lot of unofficial God babies out there from women who swore that they were told that they were infertile and that they would never have kids and they started working with yoni eggs and they were able to conceive. So then now they say like, this is your God baby. I've met them at the grocery stores and stuff just like randomly. Um, Yeah. And just more empowerment overall and, and, and opening you up because I think all these things are just gateways. Like consciousness is infinite and you could just keep going down and down and down and keep taking all of these different limbs of the tree and learning about them. And so It's just infinite, and if nothing else, if you might get it and never use it, but that introduced you to this person, who then introduced you to this, and then that was your jam. So it could just sometimes be a a gateway for you to keep going and discovering.
1: Amazing, beautiful. I'm so happy. I'm going to do it. Do this in person. Yeah. The last time I tried it, I did the string, so I'm a little nervous about the trusting, but I'm down. Surrender. Yeah, I'm going to surrender.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know how I'd hold it all day. Yeah, because well. you'd be activating your
2: muscles all day, right?
0: But I guess when you would use like oh, a in tampon, the past, or
2: yeah. Cup. Yeah. yeah, yeah, even
1: a cup yeah. situation, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> just gets in there and it kind of finds its place. Yeah, I love that. I'm so Beautiful. excited. Thank you for these gifts. You're welcome. Well, it's so been grateful.
1: so
0: good to have you. I've enjoyed hanging out before and just talking to you. I find your work so refreshing, and I'm excited to just do more with you. Maybe mm-hmm. we can do a workshop in the membership yeah, or something like I'd that. Yeah, love that. But yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um,
2: where can everyone find you and find more? Yeah, so two things: uh tiffanyjanae.com and then YoniAegs it's plural.com. And I just wanted to share: I have a, a workshop coming up. I'm working with the psychotherapist to be able to see more, and we're doing a um, a course where it's uh, love and mental health. So breaking down how do the two go in conjunction with them. And then we have another one called how to break up and helping people know like when's the time to let go and how do you go start going through the healing process of of disconnecting and going on to a different relationship. And then for my personal coaching, if anybody wants to work with me one-on-one, what I'm focusing on now is just the relationship standards. And uh, going through that, it's a six-week process that we go through where we get clear on what your values are, uh, what the different relationships are, which I'd like to mention if you guys are okay with that. So there's intimate relationships and then there's also just like friendships. And I think that having those both defined are really Mm. important. So even if we take it in friendships, we have inside the perimeter and outside the perimeter. And like defining, how does someone need to show up for you to consider them either one? And what's the responsibilities and what is their reciprocal nature in that relationship for you to say, that person's my friend or that person's my acquaintance? Do you like call them for holidays and birthdays? Do you lend them money? Do you share your resources with them? And then in exchange, how do they have to treat you? You know, it should be like they um, speak highly of me in my presence and outside of my presence. They hold space for my dreams and my visions, whatever that is down to how do they eat and how do they care for themselves? You know, what are their, their daily habits? And then there's uh, four levels of intimate relating. So level one would be someone that you know you're interested in, you're going out on a date with them and it's with the idea that you're gonna do more with this person. Level two would be like, you're obviously feeling each other. This has been expressed. You're now like committed to like showing up. You're, you're exploring these feelings. Level three is you're exchanging fluids. So that's oral sex, that's kissing, um, that's like touching, you know? And then level four would be full out. Intimate relationship. And so all of those, those four levels, we can kind of get well, not kind of, we can definitely get clear on um, where is that person at and what are their daily habits in order for them to be exchanging with you in that way. Mm. And I call this practice my masculine. And so uh, since I've been dating, I actually will send, it's in a PDF along with my epic goals and my mission statement in life. And so when I, I meet someone and they say they, they, they're interested in me or I feel like I'm interested in them, at some point I'll be like, can I get your email? I want to send you over my PDF. And then I, I'll email it to them. And then they get to read that and they get to see, do you see yourself in this? You know, like, wow, this is more than I could get on the first couple of dates from out of this person. This person has actually spent time thinking about what they're in service to in life and what where they're very clear about what they expect out of other people or where other people need to be. And I feel safe in that expression of that person. And then I can either say I see myself in that or I don't. And so that calls a fourth of maturity and responsibility out of yourself to have to do it and then out of other people who want to relate with you. And... um, so that's my masculine that I send out that protects my feminine. So my feminine then can just flow and be open and be feeling and, and just be an experience. So I'm, I'm doing that with people because I think it's really important no matter what your current relationship status is to just get clear on that so that you don't have to feel like you're being taken advantage of or you're giving too much. When you have clear understandings and agreements, even with yourself, it helps you in your relationships and, and treating people respectfully. So... It's Next huge. level, baby. Yeah, yeah that was my well. that's my obsession right er,
0: last year more so. But like in our space, because we meet so many people, it's like, who's my friend? Mm, you yeah, know, you're like, yeah. hey, friend. Like, no, you're not my, like, yeah. this is mm-hmm. so stupid. I was in a workout class. So like, okay, friends. I'm like, we're not friends. Yeah. Not to be a bitch, <laughs> but I'm like, do you know right. what I mean? What yeah. are our definitions for friends? Yes. Yeah. What are yeah. our definitions for a best friend? What are our definitions for a business partner? You know, and all those things. Right. So I'm obsessed with that. Mm-hmm. I really cannot wait. And I can't believe you got the Yoni eggs mm-hmm. URL. Hello. That's a good one. (laughs) Um, And you can also find Tiffany on Instagram, Tiffany Janae, Tiffany with an A and a Y. And thank you so much for coming. This has been,
2: oh, go ahead. One more thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Everybody who goes to Yoni Eggs, I made a a discount code for you all. So if you guys go to yonieggs.com and you put in almost 30, it'll take 20% off. Heck yeah. yeah. Okay, do Let us know which egg
1: you got. Yeah. I got the quartz. I got the rose quartz, right? Rose quartz,
0: yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I needed that one. Thank Thank you, ladies. Yes, this is the best. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Tiffany Janae. Again, you can go to yonieggs.com. That's Y-O-N-I-Eggs.com. And then she's on Instagram at Tiffany Janae. Beautiful. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the show so every episode
1: you receive right onto your phone or desktop. Thank you in advance for writing a review. It really helps us to get on incredible guests and to just get the word out there about supporting yourself through any life transition. That's what we're here for. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. We appreciate you. You make this show possible. You can learn more about these brands that we love and use ourselves and get a
0: discount. So check out the show notes or almost30.com. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. It means so much to Lindsay and I. And thank you for the support of our community. We love all of our members. We're going to be opening up membership enrollment soon. And I cannot wait. I think we should have Tiffany for a workshop. I think so. I think it sounds great. Yeah. Uh, We appreciate you. We will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.